You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and today we're going to continue our journey talking about leadership and ways to build trust in your uh, workforce. My guest is a lady named Jeannie Moravitz-Smith. She comes to us from a a background that I'm going to let her talk about, but I I think a very qualified uh, voice to share some new ideas. So, Jeannie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So speaking of that background, tell us a little bit about your backstory and your journey to get to where you are right now. So there's a short, short, short version, and there's a semi-long version. But the bottom line, I spent, I have spent three decades, 30 years doing human-centric work. So 2005, I started my own business. But prior to that, I climbed the corporate ladder in human resources. So I started out as a clerk and worked my way up to VP, sat on board meeting, in board meetings, and and participated as an executive team. So I've seen, I want to say everything, but then I'm always given a surprise because when you're dealing with humans, human behavior, and a new day, you just never know what you're going to get. And people used to tell me, how do you stay in this field for so long? And I think, and I say, I think it's the variety because you never know what you're going to get on a given day. And so it keeps you on the tip of your toes and problem solving is key. Your ability to solve a particular problem in any given day is key. And so um, spent 30 years in human resources and now, I mean, my, how did I get into it? It was my, my undergrad was marketing classes were impacted and I ended up in some classes in personnel management to get out of San Diego state. And I, and my passion for, they called it personnel management at the time, but it became human resources was, was um, brought to my attention that this is really what passion is when you are given something to do and it's really exciting comes natural and easy for you. And it was enjoyable. And so I thought, wow, I think I have found it because I I no longer had to read that book or had to finish this class. I got to, and that was the shift in my mind. And so fast forward, here we are, it's 2022 and I refused to start this calendar year. I mean, it's not 22, it's 23. (laughs) I refused to start this calendar year until I was really clear on what it is that I still love to do and what will support my business. And I get that, um, value out of it too. So not only do I provide the value to my clients, but I also get it too, because you have to have that win-win or guess what? You're shortchanging your clients if you're not 100% passionate about what you do. And so I know, I don't think I, I've kind of been all over the board with that question, but my backstory is pretty typical um, in a sense. You know, I learned a lot of lessons along the way and had the challenges were hard. Some of them were very difficult in corporate, and 
when I got spit out the other side of the meat grinder, I have that much more experience and I'm that much more wise and the ability to help others through those problem times are, um, come natural and I have passion for helping them. So yeah, that's great. You no, know, any other questions about <clears throat> my history or my background, just ask me because I'm pretty much an open book, yeah. but I, I love what I do. I love helping people. I love helping leaders figure out what part of their life they're missing that what, what part doesn't feel fulfilling and how do you go about doing that? How do you add that into your days? How do you get more fun and enjoyment of, in, in what you do? So you feel more fulfilled because tomorrow, as we all know, isn't promised. So what are you going to do today that's enjoyable? And I think that that's my biggest aha moment with clients is like, oh my God, I know I need to make that change now. Now it's very clear to me or, oh, after going through these exercise exercises, it's like, crystal clear that I got to let that go or whatever it is. And that's really what I love to do. Yeah. Well, you, you know, said a couple of things that really resonate with me. Number one is you mentioned you didn't want to start the new year without having done your own reassessment of things. And that's a, a favorite word of mine. I actually use the word recalibrate. You, you endeavor to move forward with a plan and with a, a focus and, and a vision and then stuff starts happening and pretty soon you find yourself in a place that maybe is not fulfilling, not as as uh, productive as you hoped it would be. And you scratch your head and go, why? Well, that's time to pull up and go find a quiet spot and, and do that reassessment and, and sort of recalibrate your thinking, perhaps cut off and stop doing what some things you were doing and start doing something else new and different to stay on the course. And I think um, I, I just finished doing another show recording and we close that one with the idea of um, to be an effective leader, you got to start with that person in the mirror that you're looking at and, mm -hmm. you know, lead, lead yourself uh, before you attempt to lead others. And that may mean, you know, really reconnecting with that sense of purpose and sense of vision that you had that motivated you to go wherever you are right now. So really powerful stuff. Well, talk to us a little bit about your, if there is such a thing is, do you have an ideal client you try to attract and work with? Um, I do. And I have sadly more examples of those who um, I just, just got off the phone with somebody, um, but I'm going to answer your question. Um, but there's a lot more people who I wish were more willing to change, more willing to look in the mirror, like you just said, and say, wait, who am I today? More willing to understand who they are, what their core values are. And a lot of people I meet are still, I need to show up like this. And no matter what, this is what success looks like only because they've been told that that's what it is, or they're mimicking what someone else did, but we're all individuals. So I help my clients figure out what, what ticks them off and what makes them tick and what the same thing they can do for their staff. 
But to answer your question, my ideal client is somebody who understands that nobody's perfect, that they're willing to take risks and make mistakes, but then visit those risks and mistakes and learn from them. And someone who's willing to change because they want a better life for themselves, their family, their staff members. They want, they realize that they are good, but they can be great. And what does it mean to get there? So they're willing to take some sacrifices and invest in themselves. So back to the mirror thing, not just throw out these training programs for your staff. What about you? What are you doing for you to help you change and grow? And if you're doing the same thing you did five, 10 years ago, shame, shame on you because it's now 2023. Things are very different, very different for a gamut of reasons. They're different right now. So what, how are you staying current? What are you doing to, for your own self-improvement? So my ideal client is someone who's willing to raise their hand and say, you know, I'm, I'm ready for change. I'm ready for growth. And it's, I'm ready to do the hard stuff too, because it's not easy to get down in the nitty gritty of who we are at the core and really understand that, accept it and do the work to make the changes. Yeah. From my experience, and I, I work in both sectors, I, I still work in large corporate as well as small business owners. And um, there, there's, there, there's a very distinct difference in the mindsets. I mean, there's a whole body of work that is leadership and leadership principles, and that applies to both. But starting with that foundational mindset, I, I think it is different in the two populations. And I think the corporate guys probably are more prone to developing habits and behaviors that are passed down you know it's it's like well the boss the old boss did it this way so now that's how i need to do it and you know without ever visiting the purpose the reason behind it and and more importantly the effect it had on the team and um <clears throat> i've got a number of stories in that realm with with leaders i've worked with who explain certain situations and i would say well why do you do it that way and they said well that's because the guy that before me did it that way and i just and that was implied to be successful and i would always challenge with well is is there another way is there a, a different possibility and inevitably they would try something different with you know great results they go oh this is so much better and Really what you're talking about though, I think you're you're touching on it and you said it in your kind of intro is that you know, I I think we have to appreciate the fact we come to work as a human being and there's there's no real separation anymore. And that could be one of the biggest outcomes of the whole COVID experience mm -hmm. is that people have realigned with the reality that uh, they don't want their work to be a different place, some kind of gear shifting that has to happen. And I'm this way at work and I'm this way at home. And, and the friction that that causes shifting gears like that back and forth all day long. I think the more productive outcome is, is embracing the idea. No, I'm, I am who I am as a person, 
now how can I optimize my situation, optimize my life at home, optimize my work, and bring the two together in harmony? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And leaders, leaders doing that, like you said, look in the mirror, who am I? Here's my whole person coming to work. Leaders, be vulnerable and share you with your staff. And in turn, they will share them with you, themselves with you. And that's really how you get to know them and you build a connection. The only way for people to really start building a trustworthy culture is to have a connection with your staff. And you can't unless you're willing to share yourself and lead by example. And so I think a lot of people, a lot of leaders that I've worked with in the past don't want to share, right? And 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 being from the HR realm, we'd be like, we don't really want to know that, you know? And then with the HIPAA laws back how many years ago, it's like, you don't ask those questions. We all know better. And, and I love your leadership powered by common sense. Use your darn common sense. No, you're not going to ask them about their sex life last night. What I want you to ask them is, you know, I know your dog was sick two weeks ago. How is he or she doing? You know, it takes seconds. And you, as a leader, to really be successful, it has to be genuine. So if you don't really care about your staff, the whole self, their, them whole, their whole self, then you might reconsider your role as a leader, especially now moving forward. And you mentioned COVID bringing up this human element, this whole human being aspect of work. And it's always been there. It has always been there. It just wasn't accepted and not a lot of people expected it. So like they didn't come in demanding that they be seen as a whole. Not many people did that. So the, the, I call them the the newbies or the greens coming into the work world, the younger generations, they don't expect anything different. They, this is who I am. This is the whole me, whatever tattoos, piercing, whatever I have going on, this is me. And I want to contribute to your organization. Can you accept me for who I am, whatever, however they are. And it's teaching a lot of us that have been in the work world a long time, coupled with the whole pandemic, that absolutely that's how we should be seeing people a hundred percent. We need to, we need to understand, like I said earlier, what ticks them off and what makes them tick. And the only way to know that is to get to know them. And that's sharing you, let them feeling comfortable enough to share them. And it doesn't have to be a long-winded conversation. You don't need to know every detail about anything, everything. You just need to get to know them as a person. Yeah. I had the opportunity to uh, have a coaching engagement at one of the large global brands a number of years ago, and they were working on a, a culture change initiative. And with that came a lot of surveying. And one of the dominant findings in the survey was the idea that the workforce said, I wish my boss was relatable. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it, it, made the leadership really scratch their head and go, you know, well, first they said, well, what does that mean? And as coaches, there were a number of us involved because we were actually working with about 300 executives. And <clears throat> um, 
you know, the answer was, well, do you allow yourself to share anything with your team? And the general answer was, we don't have time for that. Mm. And it's like, yeah, you do have time for that. I mean, look at the survey. Your people want to know. They they want to know that you are a person. And, you know, yes, you don't have to get all your, you know, dirty laundry out on the table and every little graphic detail of your personal life. But just do your people even know that you're married and have kids? Do you know, do they even know that? And if so, you know, what level are your kids? What age? What experiences are they having? Or are you leaving this weekend to go put on your daughter's wedding? Well, people like to know that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and you again, you don't have to get into all the war stories of how difficult it was to put the wedding together, but just the fact that that's going on in your life makes you a relatable leader. Yes, yes, yeah. And and like you said, you don't have to tell all the details, but you by sharing your experiences outside of the work world the employees feel that like you just said relatable but they also they see you as equal not not necessarily equal yes equal as a human we're all human we all bring our we're all have things outside of work but i know that a lot of i'm going to say us um who've been in the work world for a long time it was frowned upon even especially for me in hr like i would put my hr hat on and go to work and i'd take it off in the in the parking lot and the elevator and put it in my trunk and then go be me so there was a huge separation between personal and and business i never crossed the line and i always blamed it on hr like i don't want anyone to know where i live i had a p.o box like i don't you know and now everything's out there but it's like i don't want I don't want them to know because it's easier if I have to lay them off if they don't know who I am. And that that is such a myth and now so proven unhealthy in the workplace. Like it's better for them to realize that, oh yeah, you know what? I I went through a divorce. I get it. Like, it, you know, it's hard times for me too. And I think a tip for some leaders could be like, I know, you know, but I will just bring that up. So, hey team, I know I haven't really been myself the last, you know, three months of last year. And I just wanted you to all understand what I'm going through. So, um, you know, my wife filed for divorce in October and it's been a whirlwind for me. And I, it's been really hard for me to focus on being here. So when I'm here, I just get my stuff done and I move on. I want to apologize for that. I want you to know that that's kind of where I'm at now. So if you see me like frustrated, I'm probably working on that, you know? So I just want you guys to understand where I'm at. That took like what, all of a half a minute. Like it, it, I a hundred percent agree with you about sharing who you are, what you do and to be more relatable. That goes a long way in the work world. Well, and ultimately, all of that goes to this fuzzy idea of how do you build trust in the workplace. And under traditional command and control styles of management, I won't even say leadership, it's, but under management, the 
you know, the, the needle is, is pointing in the direction of, well, I'm the manager. And if, if, if Janie, you can't prove that I should trust you, then we don't have trust. Well, no, it's not on the employee to be the one. I argue that it's, it's the leader is the one who needs to set that tone for whether or not we're going to have trust at work. Yes. Yes, I just had, go ahead, were you going to say something? Well, I, I was just going to say that it, it, the discussion needs to get flipped, and it, it's a whole lot more about if, if I'm the boss, I'm going to say to people, look, I'm going to trust you. That is going to be a given, and if there is ever an instant that suggests I shouldn't or can't trust you, we're not going to automatically go there. We're going to have a discussion. We're going to visit what the issue was. You know, what is it? Is it the fact that uh, I haven't provided the training? I haven't given you the equipment you need. I, you know, are there roadblocks that are blocking you from being your best self here at this company? Um, that's the discussion we're going to have. It's it's still not going to be about I can't trust you. A hundred percent. And so my number one technique on building trust, a trustful organization and culture within is to start communicating. So communicate 10 times more than you do now. Um, and it still won't be an, enough, in my opinion. I think you a lot. I've worked with a lot of people, thousands of leaders in my time, and they say, well, I don't know if they can handle that truth. And it, you know, you know that Jack Nicholson, um, a few good men. You can't yeah. handle the truth. Well, the reality is, they can't. They can't. So um, there's a time that I've been in a lot of responsible for um, laying out the logistics of different very large reduction in forces, right? And and at that time, yes, you probably can't tell them the night before. Let's wait till the morning up. So there's certain things that that doesn't apply. But you have leaders need to understand that they've hired people, like revisit the reason you hired that person. They were top 10, hopefully of all the people you were considering. So you hired the top of the top, empower them to do their job, um, trust them to get it done. And um um, then know that if you communicate that we have a particular issue or problem, they probably have amazing ideas of how to help you and the team achieve whatever goal to get out of that problem, that situation. But if you don't get them involved, you don't even know what their ideas might be. So remember that you hired them for a reason and they have value to add. That's where, and then when you reach out to the individual, and they know that, oh, I feel valuable, they start trusting you even more. Um, in, in a process with a project or task, one thing strategy that's really been helpful is um, to a lot of my clients and when I led an HR team is here's the end goal. This is what it looks like. This is my vision of it. And I know this to be true because I've done it successfully eight times, whatever it is, could be any project, any task. But here it is 2023, and I know you know more than I do because you went, whatever, I hired you because you have this experience, you went to that school, whatever you did, or you worked at so-and-so, and I know you're a part of that team. 
So here's the end goal. We looked at the vision. What do you think it could look like? And then along the way, you poke holes in the process and you peer in to see how that individual is doing. You can do it in a manner of we have one-on-one meetings every week, which I highly recommend. They don't have to be hours at a time. They could be 15 minutes. As long as that individual knows that they have your uninterrupted time during that period. So leader, I recommend you take your phone, you put it in the drawer. It doesn't matter. This is the employee's time. And you allocate so much of that time for that employee to share whatever they want with you. What I have found is that employees will tell you more than you think they will. And they will tell you more about where they're struggling than you think you know. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So they'll yeah. they'll be they'll be forthright about their shortfalls. So you pair and you say, hey, you know, we're a month into this project, and usually I've seen it do. We've done this, this, and this. Can you tell me what's holding you up? How can I, as a coach leader, help you improve that system? How could what can, what do you need from me to be successful to get to the next step? So that's really what a leader needs to do is understand what the end goal is give their employee the empower them to get the job done, but you make sure they're on track so that that mistake doesn't become millions of dollars, right? You can't just give them free reign if you, and that's how you start building the trust. So guess what? That employee starts feeling like, wow, I do add value. He or she believes in me. They, they acknowledge that I have strengths here and there, right? And they're there for me when I need them to coach me through the process, the hard times. So it could be very simple. And I know a lot of people who manage others are like, oh, I just can't stand managing these people. They're such a pain in the butt or it's so difficult or they're so challenging. But are they really? Maybe you as a leader can revisit the way that you coach or lead these, these individuals. Yeah. And I think by making simple changes, it makes a huge difference <clears throat> to the culture and the organization. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of uh, one of my guests a while back. The episode was called Two in the Canoe. We were talking about management and leadership. And um, one of the things he brought up is that there there needs to be a a good two-way discussion uh, both on the front end and ongoing through an employee's tenure with a company. And the discussion is the, the manager needs to say to the new hire, all right, <coughs> let's, I, I want to have a candid discussion. I'm going to ask you a question and then I'm going to provide an answer to the same question, but you go first. What are your expectations for this job you've just entered into? And, what are your obligations that go with that? If if you expect this, what are you willing to commit to do to to get there? Mm-hmm. And but then as the manager leader, you've got to turn around and you have to have the same talk. All right, here's my expectations and here are my obligations to get you there. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And too often we hire somebody, bring them on the team, we do a little bit of orientation and maybe a little bit of training, but then we immediately dive into, here's your goal, you know, all right, here's how many units you got to put out. And so that's the expectation part, but it's coming from the employer. And we never even ask the employee what it is they think they're trying to achieve by working here. 
you know, is this a stepping stone? Is it a goal? Is it a, a learning for them? Um, or is it, perhaps it is just a need that, you know, I'm a single mom and I've got to have a job and I, I have experience doing this. So that's where my head is right now. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. That's okay. And, and, but knowing that, and then as a leader, being able to support that and, and help create a win-win success opportunity for both parties and a hundred percent and revisit revisit the same questions often right so always asking empowering questions and sitting back and listening to what the employee has to say like really listen and then listen for what they're not saying and that's really when you become like a solid leadership a leader as a coach when you're like oh i get it okay so there's something i see this issue now and when you get to know the staff you can say genie th see um things seem a little off today is are you okay is something wrong and do you want to just take the rest of the day off and come back when you're feeling better like that's when you get to know your staff you know when they're off and that's that's when you can you can make the call to like give them a break, let them take the day off or what have you and avoid some mistakes or whatever needs to be done when you get to know who they are. Yeah. So um, revisit and often <clears throat> like I would do re-interviewing with the um, top 20% in the organization. So every quarter I would take the top 20 engineers and ask them, hey, remember when you when you signed on here and you were so excited about it, does it still exist? What would you change if you were in charge? You know, I would ask very solid questions and sit back and gather as much data as I could to help us as an executive team make some switches in what we're doing because you don't know what you don't know. So find out, figure, get a right. system in place um, to ask those type of questions to gather the knowledge that you need to improve. Yeah. So very important. And and I think that's uh, to your original point about communicating and, you know, communicate, communicate. I've made the argument that because of the COVID experience and, and the, the bigger percentage of the workforce that's now operating remotely, leaders need to communicate even more now than they ever did because you don't have those casual moments in the office where you bump into somebody in the hallway or at the break room or coming and going from a meeting where you say, oh, by the way, hey, hey, Jeannie, can, did you get this thing done? Did you get this thing taken care of? What did you find out? Um, we don't have those moments where those little things can transpire. So, it's 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 important for leaders to figure out a cadence and a rhythm. But I also I, I go back to the same thing you've said. You've got to know your people. And I think one of the questions leaders have to ask their people, hey, we're going to be operating remotely. What do you need from me in terms of time? How often do you want to hear from me? Mm -hmm. How often do you want an opportunity to chat? And I'm I'm willing to be flexible. If you tell me once a week is all you need or twice a month is all you need for a one-on-one, -on -one, then I'm okay with that. But if you somehow, you know, have a much bigger need than that, that's okay too. Just tell me what works for you. And then what I mentioned earlier, revisit that. So, and right. then if you as a leader are feeling like, oh, 
I feel something shifted in this relationship with this individual. I'm going to circle back with them and say, let, you know, we talked three months ago about meeting once a month. Are you still feeling that's working? Because I'm getting, I feel like maybe a little too much time has gone by and it's perfectly fine to, to address that. I have so many leaders who assume certain things. And I, I think more so in this last 30 days, I have said, hold on, is that just an assumption? Because let's stop assuming and let's start asking. And, and it comes down to frequency and quality because I have this last week coached a couple people off the ledge because they got a simple email back from their manager. And when you read into it, it's, it's really hard not to read that their manager was pissed when it really didn't have to be like that. The manager could have called picked up the phone and asked some more questions rather than spit out a response that now, and we all know text and email, like you don't know how to interpret it. So I, I recommend to managers, leaders, you're about to send something or you're about to say something in a Zoom call. Pause. This is my, my going into this year. Pause pinpoint what is going on, what triggered this for you to feel that you need to react in such a way, and then pivot your thoughts so that you respond in a manner that is going to be welcoming and productive for everyone who's hearing it. Because when we react, because we didn't take that moment to understand what's being triggered and we react, we don't get that back. So right. now that employee feels like you're mad at them, you can't do anything right, then they then they get a, a phone call from a headhunter and they're like, oh, perfect timing, you know, and now they're out of there. When they were one of your best people, they weren't even looking for a right. job. So pause for a second. It doesn't have to be for minutes at a time, but just pause, take a deep breath, pinpoint what exactly is being triggered. What's happening to my emotions? Be in tune with who you are, what value, personal value of mine is being compromised. And then pivot how you respond to avoid some negative reaction. And I'm, I, I have found that, oh, I also say this, like pause, pinpoint, and pivot is as important as stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> and we all know that, right? And right, so- right. Stop, drop, and roll. We save our lives from burning, right? And I think if everybody just paused, pinpoints the problem or the issue, the feeling, the emotion, and then pivots, our world will be better. Even when you're in line at the grocery store, you're behind somebody in the ca- in line in the car, the red light, like you don't have to hammer the horn the minute. Maybe they're pausing because there's been so many accidents in that intersection. Like just calm down, people. Pause, 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 pause. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's, I think we're onto something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, duly noted, and I, um, I, I'm sad to admit, and I will say it publicly, and maybe that'll help my accountability. I'm, I'm that guy at the intersection with the horn. Um, I need to, my wife reminds me routinely to work on that. <laughs> Just take a deep, I'm glad that you actually admitted that. Take a deep breath and if the whole world just took a deep breath breath for a second and stopped reacting to things 
I honestly think it would be in our all, in, in our all, in our best interest of everyone. Um, yeah. Because I, I say that about the intersection. We have an intersection right here coming out of my development that there are some major fatal accidents at because you people head through it, but people are going so fast down to the red light and they run the red light. So that's just an example of just pausing, checking out the situation. It's not really what you're saying, but maybe in your own head, like I have a couple seconds, so it might avoid an accident. I'm trying to teach my son how to drive too. So I'm like, you know what, just pause in intersections like this that you know are dangerous. Yeah, definitely. And then to to your point real quick, and this is something easy for some people to remember. um, Several years back, um, I also was an impatient driver and I would be like, I don't understand why they're going so slow. And I decided to reframe that. What if they just picked up grandma who is from the um, surgery center and they don't want to jostle her around. So they're going really slow or they have a wedding cake in the back. We don't know other people's circumstances. So give everyone a break. You know, just you don't know what anybody's going through at a given day. So just be kind. Not yeah. that you're not. I'm just saying to, in general, that's my message. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good word and a good point. And and that is true. You know, everybody's got their own story of their reality at the moment. And it does impact the way they are behaving. And if you happen to be a stranger that doesn't particularly like the behavior, well, uh, you know, who are you to dictate the moment, you know? They've got yeah. their reality. You got your reality, and just you know, deal with I, it. Deal again, with it. Again, I'm tr- trying to teach my son, who's a preteen. Um, it's not always about you. <laughs> so, so now that I can say that about my own child and how I'm trying to raise this future leader, it's kind of universal, even for those in our 30s and 40s and 50s <clears throat> and 60s. It's not necessarily about you. That's and right. when when we show up for that other person in a serving manner, I mean, think about, you know, this servant leadership from the when 70s and 80s and 90s, whenever they had that. And they st- it's the same thing. Like when you serve, you show up to serve another person and really shelve your own personal need for a moment, just shelve it. The outcome is incredible. And right. that more leaders need to do that. More individuals need to do that. Think about, I just, it crossed my mind in the, in the um, Starbucks line, how people are buying the, the drinks for the people behind and they'll never even know who did that, but then they pass it forward, pay it forward. Right. 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 Incredible. We just need, we just need to be more generous and need a lot more of that. We need so much more of it and bring it into the workplace too. And I'm not like woo-woo and hugs and all this, you know, kumbaya stuff, but let's just throttle back a little bit and consider the whole person, the human, and what really helps people shine. You know, it's to me, it's simple, but I've been doing this for years. They want to feel like they're adding value and they're valued. Find out what their personal values are and respect those. And but you won't know unless you ask questions. So asking constantly asking questions to gain knowledge. Right. right. Not in not an interrogating way either. 
<laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, just in, in sharing. And I tell you what, Jeannie, on that note, I think we're going to wrap this up. I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all this. It's always so helpful to um, have the insight from someone who's been in that personnel leadership and human resource realm because, uh, you know, God love you guys. You get hit with all of it. And um, uh, you, you're the arbitrator and and uh, soothsayer and all that, all wrapped in one. So um, uh, thank you for sharing, though. So if uh, folks that are listening want to get in touch with you to maybe pursue some other discussion, what's the best way to do that? Uh, so right now, it's probably best to go to the website, and it's Dynamism Leadership, D-Y-N-A-M-I-S-M, leadership.com. There are links to a complimentary session with me if you want to explore an opportunity of working with me one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I'm also doing group coaching. I'm starting a new program coming up in the next couple of weeks, and it's on self-esteem and confidence. Oh, nice. And I feel that so many people right now in the workplace are wishing they could do something, desiring different things, or I, I wish I would have showed up differently, or I wish I could have said this or should have said this this way. And I just want to share my knowledge and experience with those so that they can shine too. Yeah. I really want people to be able to thrive today um, and enjoy their their lives, work and outside of work. And it really comes down to knowing um, that you can. And yeah. I, I truly 100% believe that you can do anything you set your mind to. Love it. Well, again, thank you for sitting in with us. It's been a pleasure. And folks, we will have uh, Jeannie's website info in the show notes. So uh, don't fear if you missed it on the fly there. Just uh, drop down in the notes and you'll get it. And on that note, I do want to remind everybody, we do have a video of this episode over on YouTube, a channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. So if you're listening on your favorite streaming service, don't be afraid to hop over to YouTube and catch a, catch a look over there. And either way, uh, subscribe or leave us a comment. We'd love to know uh, questions you've got or ideas and thinking you may have. And I want to mention that I, too, am providing a complimentary coaching session live every uh, third Tuesday of the month. It's at uh, 2 p.m. Central Time. There's info about it over on my website. But it's a, it's an online session. I'll be covering some topics, but more importantly, I'll have an open mic. If you've got a leadership coaching question you want to get into, we're happy to share there. I will have guests sitting in with me during that session, so um, you'll get a lot of uh, great insight and opportunity for, for that. So just check it out. I'll have that link on all of my social media. But anyway, for now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, and say thank you for listening in. Hope to see you again real soon. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.